little while back I had a revelation about myself. Even though I started writing music and playing music and dreaming about art, when I was about eight years old, I remember writing my first song. And it was something along the lines of being stuck in the snow, I have no idea why. I grew up on the North Shore by the beach in New Zealand where it does not snow ever. But I just brought Michael Jackson's bed and I was hugely influenced by his writing and his take on life and the way that he could make things that are so seemingly simple magic to me as a kid. And so I, I'd always loved music and wanted to write music. But I only became aware recently of this tension between these two aspects of myself. One part of me felt like I wanted to explore the beauty that I see in the world through my spirituality and music and in art, the beauty of God, the wonder of the faith that I'd known uh, since I was a teenager. And another part of me felt totally compelled to some kind of crusade of truth to make things clear and evident to everybody so that there could be no mistaking the source of that love. And I believe it was a good intention, this battle inside of me, because I was caught between how do I express the source of all of this life alongside this yearning that I had to create wonderful art, beautiful art that connected with people that wasn't trite. And recently I discovered that that tension doesn't need to exist. And this thing that has driven me my whole life, and I've tossed and turned between these two aspects, has come to a, a healing head. And I was reading earlier this year, or maybe it was last year, I can't actually remember, Ephesians 2.10. We are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's prepared for us in advance to do. And the Greek word for masterpiece in this sentence is poema. And poema is where we get our modern term poem from. We are God's poetry, his work of art. His masterpiece is this colorful, harmonic representation of himself in us. His image in us as beauty and wonder and mystery and revelation. And so I started this journey of discovery around what it would look like for me to center my life around beauty. And in all, in all honesty, I didn't have much choice. I'd spent the last couple of years, I've been very sick. And last year, I, I would have spent a solid six or seven months in bed this year, uh, you know, four months, kind of over stretched over a number of months, spending about four days in bed each week. And I was forced to reconcile who God was in the midst of this mysterious thing that was happening to me. And I found so much beauty there. And I, I started looking into poetry and, and what role poetry and art has played uh, mystically in the history of humanity. And if you go far enough back toward the ancient Near Eastern cultures, you'll find that almost every culture had a belief that poets and prophets were the same thing. It, w it was an idea that if you could speak this language, this beautiful language which could only have come from heaven right and uh, we know people like that we listen to their music or we read their words or read their poetry and it's as if they've come from another place how do they put those words together how do they create such definition and poetry out of what we would normally consider mundane parts of our life 
So the ancient Near Easterns believed that to do that, you had to have some kind of divine imprint, some kind of divine, divine connection. And so there would be a few people in their communities who had this prophetic, poetic voice. And they would almost, in a way, translate to people what the world was supposed to be. They would beautify it. They would make it good. Plato talked about the same idea. He really believed that poetry and art uh, had to give into this process that he called mimesis, which was the representation of things, but in a beautiful and good way, almost exaggerating or accentuating the good and the beauty of something. So for hundreds of years, we have people... Um, identifying poetry and prophecy together, this divine connection and this outpouring of truth and life through colorful language. And then this guy Paul comes along after meeting Jesus in a vision, after encountering God on on the road to Damascus. And he draws this connection in in Ephesians 2 and he says, we are God's poetry. In other words, this aspect of our culture, this intimacy with God that cultures for hundreds of years had associated with one individual in their community or a handful at most, God has now implanted, He has now regenerated or reconciled that that divine poet in every single person born in Jesus. He has drawn out this intention of the Imago Day, this beautiful, mysterious aspect of us that has sat residing. He has connected us into Him in such a way that now we are all poet prophets of God. We are the poetry of God, every one of us. And instead of just being on the fringes of divinity and divine experience, we are now welcomed into the center of it. I love this quote from Eugene Peterson. When I'm thinking about how does that transform my life and how do I explain that to somebody? How do we, as uh, the people of God who have been born into this freshness of this colorful spiritual life, communicate from a position of poetry? And very few people say it better than Eugene Peterson. So I'll read this quote. Poets tell us what our eyes, blurred with too much gawking, and our ears, dulled with too much chatter, miss around and within us. Poets use words to drag us into the depth of reality itself. They do it not by reporting on how life is, but by pushing, pulling us into the middle of it. Poetry grabs for the jugular. Far from being cosmetic language, it is intestinal. It is root language. Poetry doesn't so much tell us something we never knew as bring into recognition what is latent, forgotten, overlooked, or suppressed. And you could almost, I feel, replace poetry in any one of those sentences with us, with ourselves, with this masterpiece. We are the poetry of God. What I love about it is that it's less about communicating fact and information, and there is absolutely a place for that. Call that prose. But I feel like we've lived in prose for a good amount of decades, possibly hundreds of years, where our primary intention has been to communicate a truth, to convert, to make other people aware of what's right and wrong. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but that alone without poetry 
without this inviting people in, without grabbing the jugular of the existence of the world and, and not using cosmetic, factual language, but intestinal, deep, pushing, pulling language. We're only offering the world this one aspect of who God is and not His entirety. I found myself in a really, really hard place. It had been a number of years of battling with depression and, and, and heaviness, and I was struggling to understand it. And one night I sort of decided to take a moment to engage with God on it. So I had one of those intense, I, I turned off all of the lights, and uh, I just lit a candle, you know, the Christ candle, as some call it, this symbol of God's presence. And I lay on the floor, and I was just distraught I was weeping and I was crying and I was saying to God you know what you may as well be a million miles away because I can't feel you I can't touch you and I was sort of grieving I think that I'd had this faith in God but at this moment of my life and for the season I was so empty and lost and right then in this sort of whispering deep belly knowingness kind of way I felt him say strong Pick up your guitar and sing. I'm gonna. I want to sing some words to you, and I want you to sing them out as you hear them. So I picked up my guitar and I just started playing these simple chords, and I played this song. And out of the song came these lyrics that spoke to me deeply. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for a while for the covered night to fade and the mist to warm away. You are not alone. You are not alone. And for me, it was prayer. It was like God speaking to me and busting me open. And this almost this entire song just kind of came out, and I put it down and ended up going on a record that I made. And it's funny, the, the thing that I, I have found is that that song in that moment of raw reality with God ended up connecting with people on such a deep level. And every time I played it live, it was like, didn't matter what the set was going like, when I would play that song, I could feel that that poetry and that tension of divine and earth, you know, poetry, kissing, reality, meeting me in that space. And I don't know if there's really much of an offer, an answer offered in there, but countless times on the road, I've found people come up to me and tell me that that song stopped them from taking their own life or pulled them out of years of depression themselves. And for me, that's an example of what Eugene is saying here. This is an ex- it was a perfect example of what I feel being the poetry of God is. It's inviting people into an experience. It's saying, this is the divine world. This is the world of love and peace and wholeness. Come and experience it with me and, and become a part of it. And it's less about saying, this is how I got fixed or this is the fact of the matter or And it's more about welcoming people into our presence and welcoming into God's presence in that place in our life. I love this quote, uh, another quote from a guy who, to be honest, I don't really know who he is. I tried to find out more information, but I couldn't. His name is Wu Chao. And he talks about this balance between poetry and prose using rice. And he says it like this, When you write in prose... You cook with rice. 
When you write in poetry, you turn rice into wine. Cooked rice doesn't change its shape, but rice wine changes both in quality and shape. Cooked rice uh, makes one so full that they can enjoy their lifespan. Wine, on the other hand, makes the sad happy and the happy sad. Its effect is sublimely beyond explanation. And what I love about that is he's taking these two characteristics of the same uh, substance, rice. We cannot live just on rice alone. We can't live just day by day only living out the factual obedience of our faith. That's just not the fullness of what God intended for us. God, Jesus is about poetry. I mean, you look at his life and he's constantly eating and feasting and drinking with his disciples. He wasn't just about the hard truth. He celebrated. He loved. He had community. And that's the poetry of God. He taught in poetry. You know, he talked about, he talked in parables and similes and metaphor constantly. Try and pin that guy down on the kingdom of heaven. You'll have trouble. So I feel like in our culture, and especially in our church culture, we've really stuck to prose pretty hard. But if you've ever gone through suffering, if, you're ever, if you've ever dreamt or had a vision or experienced something beyond your understanding, if you've ever actually encountered God, you'll know that it's completely intangible. It's impossible to explain it to someone. It's like falling in love. You can't... Saying God spoke to me is like explaining to someone who's never fallen in love what falling in love is like. You can sort of quantify it a little bit and they, they might be able to see it in your relationship. But until you've fallen in love and experienced that full body immersion of this feeling, this foreign feeling that you've never had, it's very hard to understand it. And that's what hearing God is like. It's poetry. And I think in the, in the midst of my really hard few years, I started to have all of these dreams and God would meet me in the, my dreams and speak to me and I would have these colorful sort of uh, movies play out in front of me and I didn't know what to do and it really messed with my rational mind that wanted to quantify everything and break it down. And ironically, after about 20 years of playing music, it was that experience that made me realize that I can't boil God down all the time into really tight um, formulas and experiences. I have to learn to experience them outside the boundaries of all of those things. And in truth, you know, a third of Scripture is poetry. And a third of Scripture describes or relates to dreams and visions. That's a whole lot. That's a whole lot of God telling His story through imagery and beauty and intangibility. You know, the prophets, they were master poets, incredible poets. And I think, imagine how people would have tried to understand what they had to say back then when they're speaking in this poetic language. And in a way, I feel like it's God's boldness not to be afraid of being misunderstood. And Jesus himself wasn't worried about being misunderstood. He said crazy things like, if you, if you don't drink my blood and eat my flesh, then you've got no part in me. I mean, what on earth? Imagine being his poor disciples trying to grapple with that one. God himself is okay with being misunderstood, I believe, because he's trying to invite people into love. He's trying to invite people into him, into intimacy with him. And here's the crux of it for me. You can live your entire life 
your entire faith based on a spirituality of prose and never actually get to know God. Because you're learning about Him, you're learning how to work for Him, how to work alongside His principles and who He is, but you never get to engage in the mystery of relationship with Him. And that's the best part of our faith. To live a life of prose is to live with the hardest part of our faith without the beauty of it. To live with the poetry is to dine with God. It's communion. It's a communion that is meant to be common for every single person. We are meant to sit at the table and drink wine, the wine of the Spirit with God. We are meant to dream dreams. We are meant to see things and feel things. We are meant to have intuition. We're meant to make decisions about our life with Him, not trying to please Him or out of fear, but actually enjoying the fact that we can walk with Him, that we can hear His voice. That's what the poetry of faith is about for me. So here's my encouragement to you today for today's podcast. Take a moment this week to put down your prose a little bit. Ask yourself and ask God, what does it look like for me to pick up the poetry of God? For me, it looks like three things, beauty, mystery, and revelation. And we're going to talk about those things in the coming podcasts. But I dare you, take a moment this week to enjoy the beauty of God and the poetry that you are.